All right, it's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Let me, t- let me turn your microphone on. Oh, my mic. Yeah, put my mic on. That always. Yeah, that works That works better I, with it I on. I find it works a lot better if both yeah. mics are on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the, we started the show today talking about uh, labor situation mm-hmm. in, in, in BC. That with big the, letter. The strikes. Yeah, this is a really interesting letter that has now been sent to Horgan. Not just the cannabis stores, not just the bars and pubs, but the tourism associations, no. the hotels. Yeah, no, it's pleading for a resolution of this thing. Yeah, tying up the liquor distribution branch and basically the supply chain going down for so many establishments. uh, It's a significant economic blow. It it hasn't hit the its peak, of course. They're still operating; can still get product, but as your guest pointed out, increasingly difficult to get other products to go with that. Some of the products, and so it's. But I'm somewhat encouraged. These things move so fast. So two nights ago, things looked pretty bleak from yeah. the information I was getting, that there was no prospect of getting back to the table for the GEU. Um, but then, lo and behold, a couple of hours later, I think the employer got some intel from the GEU that, hey, we'll go back if you want to start talking. And sure enough, they're going to go back now on Thursday. But more encouraging is the Hospital Employees Union, which put out a statement the day the the BCGU served strike notice saying they're going to suspend their negotiations, even though they had made significant progress at the table. The HEU is looking essentially, from my understanding, at pretty well the same deal the GEU is looking at. The GEU rejected it. but the And then the deal is 11% over three years. Right? On average, yeah. plus a $2,500 signing bonus. Right. And if you look at the HEU, HEU membership, many of their members, far lower paid than BCGU members, a lot of hospital cleaners, um, long-term care uh, workers who uh, don't aren't paid as much. And a $2,500 signing bonus for those people probably is way more attractive um, an offer than perhaps some of the higher-end uh, wages uh, earners in the BCGU. But again, the HEU yesterday put out a statement, again, expressing optimism that they've made significant progress at the table and they're eager to get back at it. So when you've got the HEU framing this in much more positive terms and optimistic terms in the BCGU, that tells me that maybe they're closer to a deal than the GU. And if they get a deal, that's going to put the pressure on the GU to get a deal. Okay, that's very interesting. The official party line, though, from the unions, though, is that they continue to hold out for some sort of COLA increase. They want a cost-of-living lift. They want some sort of raise that would match or near the inflation rate which is running 7.6% last month. Here is Stephanie Smith, president of the BC General Employees Union, on the show earlier this week. We need to see wage increases that allow our members to catch up. You know, we did internal polling. They're saying almost 50% of them are falling further and further into debt every month just to meet their basic needs. And just as importantly, we want to see some meaningful protection for those wage increases against rates of inflation. It's a sort of talk firm line yep. on, a, on a wage As hike. she should. I mean, these are negotiations. It's give and take. Uh, you, you don't want to cave to one side, yeah. uh, one side to the other. But uh, it's interesting to go back to the table. We'll see what comes of it. It's interesting to look at Vince Reddy, the the noted mediator settlement, I think, on the Sea to Sky uh, transit dispute, where I think his it's a very complicated structure, but the COLA – is determined, the cost of living is determined at the end of the contract. What was the cost of living increase over the last series? Because rather than predicting what the cost of living is, uh, added up at the end. And maybe that's what takes shape at the at the table here. I think there's going to be some sort of cost of living uh, protection, 
but it's not going to be you know i don't think you're going to see a 7.8% wage increase but the the fact that the as you mentioned the hospital employees union put sounding a hopeful note about talks and they are typically paid lower than maybe some of mm-hmm. these other unions mm-hmm. maybe they're more they'd be more interested in like you said that signing bonus if they get a deal, like if they leapfrog the BCGU and they get a deal first, yep. what kind of pressure does that put? Does that start the dominoes falling and these other There's unions? There's no rule that says the GEU has to be the first union to sign a contract. Yeah. Anybody can sign a contract. There's 183 contracts out there in the public sector that are being negotiated right now. Uh, some are at various stages. The the HEU has held uh, dozens of negotiating sessions. None of this occurs in public. So all of this has been happening behind the scenes. If HEU comes out and signs a contract with roughly what we're looking at with the GEU, probably a little more than what's on the table. Yeah, right. That's going to put a lot of pressure on the GEU to settle. Yeah, and it's going to put pressure on other units as well. Because in the previous contract rounds, every union contract had what was called a Me Too clause, which stipulated that if any other union got a bigger compensation package than what we negotiated, then we get the same we compensation. All <laughs> we all get it. Yeah. And that's what... Um, even though, even without the Me Too clauses, the reality is the the structure that's been there since the '90s is everyone does get the same, with a few changes, perhaps around language. For example, uh, language is a big deal in the nurses' union contract about overtime and and such, and those can be negotiated, I think, a little separate than a pure wage increase. Okay, one of the most militant unions historically in BC has been the teachers' union. We've seen teachers' strikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't matter which party's in power. Uh, there have been labor disruptions in schools over the years. Uh, Clint Johnston was my guest on the show yesterday, president of the BC Teachers Federation. They are talking to the government. They're in contract mm-hmm. talks. Their contract ended at the end of June. And I asked him, could teachers go on strike? Here's what he said to me. If it gets to a point where that seems like the only viable way forward in getting the money and the, the language necessary to recommend a deal to members, then that's always a possibility. But what I would say to them right now is it's it's not the next step for us right now. Um, and if they're concerned about it, I would urge them to um, reach out as we always do and, and speak out about that and make sure that a government that managed to um, secure COLA increases for themselves is able to do that yeah. for not just union workers, by the way, everyone. And make sure that we don't fall fall behind again and uh, and let that be known. And then hopefully that motivates them to get a deal done and we all go back to work and back to school. Well, it's interesting. I've, I've uh, accumulated a lot of teacher friends over the years covering the BCTF disputes. Uh, ran into a, a couple lot of teacher enemies too. I some think teacher as well. enemies, yeah, for sure. You've been Twitter. critical of the union too. I have been critical of the TF's uh, inability to get deals when other unions can get deals. Yeah. But I detect a change right now. Teachers have been telling me they don't detect the same internal messaging, internal rally the troops, whip up the sentiment, get ready for job action uh. that they've seen in other contract rounds. And um, Clint Johnson is, you know, he's minimizing the. The prospect of a strike, uh, which I think is uh, got to be encouraging to parents and students. Uh, but again, the, as you mentioned off the top, they do have a history of strike action that other unions do not. But I, fingers crossed, I don't think we're going to see a picket line around school. They have some talks scheduled. I think it's for mid to late September. So I don't think the start of the school year won't be disrupted. And they met for a couple of days last week. Yeah, right. Two or three days. So they're, they're having talks. Yeah, the schools are going to open. Yeah. Uh, there's no talk of a strike vote. The only union that's taken a strike vote, to my knowledge, is the GEU. Yeah. Everyone else is uh, continuing to talk.
Okay, let's listen to this clip by David Eby, who was on with the Jazz Joe oh, Hall yes. show yesterday and poised to become the next premier of British Columbia. Most people seem to think he's running for the NDP leadership. And this notorious quote he gave to the Vancouver Sun this week, mm-hmm. where he said he was frustrated, frustrated that someone is actually running against him for the job. Anjalia Potterai, who is a climate change activist, running against him for the NDP leadership. The he, nerve. He told the Sun, oh, I'm really frustrated <laughs> by this because it's going to delay my coronation effectively. So Jazz Joe Hall asked him about what he was talking about here, and here's what EB had to say. Let's have a listen. Uh, sometimes uh, I don't come across as clearly as I'd like to be. I was meaning to communicate that uh, I feel a huge sense of urgency to get to work on the issues that are affecting British Columbians, whether it's uh, housing issues, health care issues, and so on. Uh, but the way that my comments read, and they're a little different than you described them, but the way my comments read mm-hmm. uh, felt almost dismissive of her campaign, and, and it's the complete opposite is true. I'm, I'm glad she put her name forward. Uh, it's a better race because she's doing that. And I am just a strong believer in people being involved in the political process, so I wanted to clarify that. I think he's still frustrated, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish uh, talk about quotes you wish you could take back. Um, but uh, I wouldn't say there's a complacency with Evie, but... There doesn't seem to be a lot of action in this campaign. I don't. I haven't detected a lot of meetings or rallies or or uh, a lot of people talking about this. I'm not sure what she's up to. If she's up to, if she's really energetic behind the scenes and signing members up, uh, the party's vulnerable to a takeover. There's not a wow. lot of members. There's not a lot of members of the NDP. Uh, if you if she can sign up enough people, and that's what this is based on. It's not like a point system, which is what the Conservatives are using federally, where every riding gets a hundred points and you get. Um, a percentage of those points, depending on how many members you have in that riding, it's all for one. It's, it's just mass sign-up, much of it in Surrey, and whoever can sign up the most members uh, basically well, wins this. It's going to be like a tortoise and the hare thing, like, hey, David Eby, wakey-wakey here. You better, uh, <laughs> oh, better I, get I'd be right. very surprised if he doesn't win, but yeah. uh, don't discount the possibility that perhaps she could win. Well, if she's an environmental activist, and there are ver- a lot of very large, tap- well-organized, well-funded exactly. environmental groups. If she can tap into that community, that constituency, yeah. which traditionally is not that active in party politics right they don't tend to get involved in the ndp or the conservatives or the liberals or the, even the greens yeah. but if she can tap into that extensive uh, network of people uh this could be a little close than people think okay i thought that a quote in the sun though by eb came across as somewhat arrogant well uh, yes and and dismissive of her candidacy yeah. um like let's get it over with i want to yeah. you know let's, let's why should we have the inconvenience of any more or less repeated that that part of it with jazz saying like oh i'm anxious to get to work here that's all i'm saying yeah he walked it back a bit but uh i'm sure he wished he could have walked it back right. totally it's baldry's beat let's go right to your phone calls here james in vancouver hi james go ahead Hey, just wanted to weigh in quickly on the BCTF. I know a number of people that have switched over to the private system because they have no confidence in the BCTF being able to take care of negotiations without going on strike. And then on David Eby, if you look up the words arrogant and prick in the dictionary, his name falls. Okay, okay, I'm I'm stopping you right. I'm stopping you right there because uh, you know what? I'm just not tolerating that. You know, if if you want to phone up here and have a reasonable comment. Uh, about someone, go ahead. Yeah, but that's uncalled. But you know, if you phone up and use that type of language again, I'll ma- I'll make sure you're banned completely from ever phoning here again. All right, like I- I'm just I'm just not into that kind of no. You know, calling someone a-, a name like that. Not. It's not cool, man. Not accepted. Um, well, let me somewhere. let me ask you about the BCTF because you know, like the point yeah. is they have settled contracts without strikes. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, no, they definitely have. I played a role in settling one of them with Ginny Sims for the pre-Olympic, the big $5,000 bonus year. Uh, so they have settled, but um, they also have a history of more job action than other public sector unions. But again, to go back to your conversation with their new president, yeah. uh, who's really unknown to many people. Right. The rhetoric is not the same high level as we saw with previous rounds. Um, seem to be minimizing the prospect of a strike rather than uh, sort of uh, fomenting one. So again, hope, fingers crossed we don't get to that point. I, and I, right now, my gut tells me we're not going to see a strike. Garth and Ladner. Hi, Garth. Go ahead. Garth. Hello, Garth. Try one more time. Garth. Let's go to Doug in Surrey. Hi, Doug. Go ahead. Hi, Mike and Keith. I think the people, the environmentalists that might back the challenger to David Eby's uh, leadership of the NDP ought to look farther down the line about who stands the best chance in the big fight that's going to come when the big dice are being rolled for who's going to run the province who's going to go up against falcon what are our chances against him is it going to be a rerun of uh uh adrian dix against christy clark except the roles are reversed thanks for the call yeah well i mean you know whoever wins this has to go up against kevin falcon falcon is i think a step up significantly from andrew wilkinson uh brings a little more to the more game here uh but Again, the NDP showed in 2020, partly on John Horgan's coattails, but for whatever reason, also changing demographics, they're in a much more politically powerful position than they've ever been in terms of uh, the chances of winning an election. No well, matter. I think the, the Liberals would be delighted if a hardcore environmental oh, yeah, activist sure. became the leader of the NDP <laughs> yeah, who think? wanted to shut down uh, natural gas production shut and fracking industry. and LNG yeah, and forestry. I think that would basically very soft in the NDP core vote in the suburbs yeah. of Metro Vancouver. Let's go to Kathy on the line in Delta. Hi, Kathy. Go ahead. Oh, hi there. Uh, hi. I just wanted to make a comment about um, EB becoming a premier. I, mean, I, I sure hope the public doesn't go for that in BC. I just, I just don't know how anyone could accept the fact that he's been in such a prominent role uh, cabinet role for five years uh, in housing and attorney general, and r- literally now he, all of a sudden he's saying he's going to fix all this um, and hasn't done anything uh, substantial in those five years. So I don't know how anybody can fall for that rhetoric. It's just mind-blowing to me. Thank you for the call. Well, that's the challenge David Eby has, is you've got to defend your track record. And particularly when you promise things going forward, it's framed against what you've accomplished in the past. And well, just- and this is this is going to be the precise argument that the liberals will mm-hmm. uh, foment against him, is that, look, we've got a random crime at all-time high. We've got four random assaults on the streets of Vancouver every single day. We've got this sprawling tent city in the downtown east side, which is out of control. We've got all these other problems. We've got an affordability crisis in real estate. And the caller is right. These are the, his files. The crime issue has sprung up in the last year. Uh, yeah. Housing has been with us for a decade. And I think a lot of people think there's no easy solution. There's no magic uh, bullet for housing. But crime seems to be a new issue. Squeeze me in one more. BJ in Vancouver. Hi, go ahead. you got 30 seconds. Hey, yeah, thank you, Mike, for putting me on the call. On the line. Yeah, I think EV, in my opinion, uh, given all the goods and the bits and whatever he has done, hasn't done, I think he might be the guy nominated as a as a as a acting premier also will if not with a landslide but he'll come across okay and as far as bcgu is concerned 
Mike, uh, I want your opinion particularly. I think everybody is using COVID. You know, don't get me wrong, Mike. Uh, just, just kind of building on okay. that issue. I know we all need raise. I hate, uh, to, I hate to step on you out of time. You got, yeah, yeah, 10 seconds. Not sure what the point there was, but yeah. uh, E.B.'s got a challenge ahead of him. He's not as well-known or as well-liked as John Horgan, and that's something he's got to work on. Thanks, Keith. All right.